Okay, what was that note Elliot said that we hit? I don't remember. It's in the Discord. It's in the Discord. You want to join our Discord? Message us on any of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, doing the plugs up top. Yeah, see? Yeah. We're on that, but no, I was going to say, aka, the perfect C's or the, 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 the... I don't know. Easy A's or whatever, whatever the note was. There's something sure. funny there. Um, that's Haley. That's Caitlin. Haley's, yeah, Haley's mentally healthy. Um, today. <laughs> today I am. No, that was an insult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't you, don't you put that on me. Don't you put your normalcy on me. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about today? Today, I, I said it last week. Today is going to be kind of a bummer. I'm sorry. This is uh, We're going to get to the funs and the laughs. Let me look at the schedule. Oof. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to get to the funs and the laughs until uh, the spring. <laughs> so get ready for some... I, that just means I've got to go rogue on the schedule again. <laughs> yeah, great. Steal another one of my episodes, why don't you, bitch? <laughs> Anyway, today we are talking about um, the horrors of the Willowbrook State School. Oh, fuck. Do you know anything about Willowbrook State School? I don't, but when you say school, that doesn't inspire confidence. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's no longer in operation. I'll, I'll give you that up top just so everyone is aware. Uh, but it, it was a bad time for everyone involved. So let's dive into it. So the Willowbrook State School was a state-supported institution for children with intellectual disabilities located in the Willowbrook neighborhood on Staten Island in New York City. Plans were drawn up in 1938 for the 375-acre property. Construction was completed in 1942, but instead of opening for the original purpose, which was the school... It was converted into a United States Army hospital named the Halloran General Hospital after the late Colonel Paul Stacy Halloran. After World War II, proposals were introduced to turn the site over to the Veterans Administration, but in October of 1947, the New York State Department of Mental Hygiene opened the facility as originally planned, and the institution was named the Willowbrook State School. It was open from 1947 until 1987, at the time, it was the biggest state-run facility for people with mental disabilities in the country. And it wow. doesn't get better from here. Although yeah. the original purpose of the facility was to be an actual school for learning for children with intellectual disabilities, in reality, author Ellen Marie Wiseman describes it as, quote, a warehouse for adults and children with mental or physical disabilities committed by parents who either didn't want them or didn't know how to care for them. Many sent their children to Willowbrook after being encouraged by doctors to relinquish their disabled children, quote, for the sake of the family, end quote, with no idea that they were condemning them to a life of agony, neglect, and abuse by those charged with their care and any parent who fought to protect their children was labeled a quote troublemaker and quote by the administration then subjected to threats and manipulation to ensure they didn't rock the boat end quote so obviously back in the uh 1940s we did not have uh pretty much any care for people with mental disabilities besides putting them somewhere I'd like to think we have gotten better, but um, we have a long way. Yeah. I mean, you Um, have firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For those who I don't I don't think I've I don't know how much I've mentioned it. Um, My brother has an intellectual disability and it is especially now that we're in adulthood. It is very. The resources are very finite. I'll also say, because of your experience, I'm quoting a lot of stuff in here that is from the 40s, 50s, 60s, that the language around um, people with disabilities was not great. So if I'm saying anything that is out of date, let me know so we can let everybody else know. Um, Because some of these some of these quotes are oof. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day. That in and of itself hasn't changed 
or didn't change very much up until I'd say the last like decade or two. Yeah. But. And here's one thing that I'm going to start with because I don't, I don't even know because I've seen differing uh, discourse on this. Is the R word still used as a medical term? To my knowledge, no. Okay. Um, my brother's, I, I've had, has had, my brother's had AIDS, various AIDS over the years. And a few of them, I remember having a, we had like a conversation where they worked in like the medical field mm-hmm. on the side. And I believe that is no longer the term that is used. But it um, was, right? But at the time it was. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's, it's like Asperger's, how Asperger's has not been recognized since I believe 2013, 2015, around there, um, that it is simply just autism, the autism spectrum. Yeah. So Willowbrook is probably, it's one of the most well-known because it was the largest school, but um, it was, we'll talk about how it was uh, brought to light, everything that was happening there. But um, to put it bluntly, Willowbrook was overcrowded. It was originally designed for 4,000 residents. By 1965, it had a population of 6,000. As well, it was so underfunded and understaffed that residents rarely received basic care, let alone any education, mental stimulation, or instruction on social skills or hygiene. There was only one nurse per ward for over 200 residents living in houses built for fewer than 100. Staff were outnumbered sometimes 40 to 1. Jesus. Yeah. And I have I have taught children uh swim lessons and in my lessons it was two instructors two instructors for maybe 15 kids. Mm. And it was Lord of the yes. Flies out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine I can't imagine taking care of one child let alone 40 that are your responsibility the entire time. Right. Well, and that's assuming that the people who are all caring for these people care enough, like you cared well, with those kids. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to a little bit more of that because I did find out more information on that, but there were definitely people who wanted to do good and wanted, um, wanted to actually help, but were so, strung out and like right. outnumbered that and they weren't getting any type of support it's like you throw your hands up it's like we literally do not have clothing to put on these people right like, what am i supposed to do yeah and so i think there was a lot of staff that worked there that were um very appreciative of what um ended up happening that everything was brought to light and it was finally put out in the open in front of everybody be like this is what's happening here and we've tried to get help and nobody has done anything to help us right so we'll get into more details about the conditions and the questionable medical practices and experiments uh that prompted Sen- senator robert f kennedy to call it a quote-unquote snake pit um after touring the facility in 1965 he proclaimed that individuals in the overcrowded facility were, quote, living in filth and dirt, their clothes in rags, in rooms less comfortable and cheerful than cages in which we put animals in a zoo, end quote. And this was in 1965. And let me remind you, the school stayed open until 1985. Sorry, 1987. Yeah. So we knew things were bad then and just let it be open for so much longer. Yeah, well, when you can hide that, from behind the walls of a facility exactly on 375 acres Mm -hmm. and exactly that because the giant property was completely closed off and out of public sight willowbrook essentially became its own city it had its own hierarchy and society employees bought and sold everything from drugs to jewelry to meat there was disease violence theft drug and alcohol use and other forms of crime there was harm done by physicians who failed to do their medical duty There was violence done by staff to residents, including rape, beating, psychological torture, overuse of powerful drugs, and murder. There was violence by staff against other staff members for a variety variety of reasons, including personal vendettas, paybacks for snitching, drug dealing disputes, and mental illness. There was also violence against the residents themselves, including beatings, torture, rape, and murder. 
An estimated 12,000 residents died at Willowbrook from 1950 to 1980, which is approximately 400 a year. Many who came to Willowbrook lived a short, brutal existence and died because of neglect, violence, lack of nutrition, and medical mismanagement or experimentation. Some simply disappeared or even took their own lives. One story of death at Willowbrook was that of 15-year-old Robert Weisbach. Robert was sent to Willowbrook in 1958 when he was five years old. His sister, pediatrician Deborah Weisbach, has photos of her brother showing him as an adorably chubby-cheeked little toddler who just happened to be nonverbal. Everyone in Weis- everyone Weisbach's parents consulted told them that Robert needed the type of care that Willowbrook could provide. And I think what they were saying is that what Willowbrook could provide in theory, not right. in practice. Right. By the time he died 10 years later in 1968, Weisbach said that her brother had become a virtual ghost in their family, too painful for her parents to mention. She recently requested the autopsy from the state's medical examiner to investigate the circumstances around her brother's death attributed to some sort of traumatic event he experienced while in custody. Now, Weisbach says that she sees patients with disabilities ranging from mild to severe and said that her brother's death and time at Willowbrook have slowly given her a sense of gratitude instead of shame. Quote, Willowbrook has become a positive force in my life instead of a shameful one that it was for many years. But we always need to remember so it doesn't happen again. End quote. Wow. So, yeah, he died at 15 years old. And yeah. was there <clears throat> starting at age five. Yeah. So some of the things that people could experience at Willowbrook. Um Throughout the first decade it was open, Willowbrook saw many outbreaks of hepatitis, primarily hepatitis A. Paul Offit, a pediatrician specializing in infectious diseases and vaccines, said, quote, hepatitis developed in 90% of children admitted to Willowbrook soon after their arrival, end quote. So pretty much if you were going to Willowbrook, you were getting hepatitis. Right. Which is Jesus. insanity. Yeah. You don't hear, <clears throat> how often do you hear that these days? like now i mean yeah when i when i was a lifeguard we obviously had to do like bloodborne pathogen and and um training like that and we heard a lot about hepatitis and how to take care of it obviously this was the time that they learned they knew almost nothing about it which is why this happened uh, so despite this and many reports of the conditions at Willowbrook, the school was still one of the only options for children with severe disabilities, and there was a long wait list. Researchers often yeah. offered uh, several parents the ability to jump the line and have their children put into the newer, cleaner research wards with more staff if they joined these experiments. Mm-hmm. One of those parents, Diana McCourt, whose 10-year-old daughter, Nina Galen, was severely autistic, remembers, quote, I did feel coerced. I felt like I was denied help unless I took this opportunity, end quote. So between 1956 and 1971, medical researchers Saul Krugman, his assistant Joan Giles, and Robert W. McCollum used Willowbrook residents to find out more about hepatitis. Offit describes, quote, Although it was known that hepatitis was caused by a virus, it was, it was not known how, hep- how the hepatitis virus spread whether it could be prevented, or how many types of viruses cause the disease. Krugman used the children of Willowbrook to answer those questions. One of his studies involved feeding live hepatitis virus from other stool samples to 60 healthy children. Oh my fucking God. Yes. Krugman watched as their skin and eyes turned yellow and their livers got bigger. He watched them vomit and refused to eat. All the children fed hepatitis became ill some severely krugman reasoned that it was justifiable to inoculate r-worded children at willowbrook with hepatitis virus because most of them would get hepatitis anyway but by purposefully giving the children hepatitis krugman increased the chance by 100 percent end quote so some of these experiments was they would mix a stool sample in chocolate milk and give it to these kids oh my god they would watch the kids get better and then give them another uh, dose of hepatitis to see how it would affect them a second time. Oh my God. And he published this in medical journals. Like he, he like no shame just said like, Hey, we're testing on children. 
Vaccinologist Maurice Hillman called the Willowbrook experiments, quote, the most unethical medical experiments ever performed on children in the United States, end quote. And historian David Roth, David Rothman said, quote, the research was even included in Henry Becher's 1966 New England Journal of Medicine listing of ethically dubious experiments, end quote. To put it mildly. He's basically the United States version of... Uh, Oh my God! What's his name? Mangala. Mangala. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. that's. I, at one point, somebody asked why they couldn't do these experiments on monkeys, or or something, and they were like, "Uh, it it just works out better this way." There's so much. There's so much there. Like. No, let's not do it on the monkeys either. There there can be other ways to do this, but at the same time, your rationalization, it's just... Because it, they were there, so like... No, it's better this... Like, I... Because his reasoning Jesus. was, they're going to get hepatitis anyway, so we may as well, like, watch them. And why is that? Yeah. And he said, like... like he, co- he basically coerced parents by saying your mm-hmm. kid can get into like a newer, nicer facility and but uh, didn't tell them that it would be by feeding them shit. Yeah. Infected with hepatitis. Yeah. Nope. Left that out. There oh. was some there was some quotes I, I don't have in here, but um, they basically told them. Uh, yeah, like we have an antidote. So, like, nothing really bad is going to happen. But there is no antidote because that's what you're trying to find out. Is right. like, you don't know how, how this disease works, how this virus works. So, there is no right. antidote. If a kid got no, really, like- really sick and, and something happened, they're going to die from it. Because you force-fed them hepatitis. Yeah. School stayed open for way too long. So, unfortunately, the horrors did not stop with the experimentation. The staff at Willowbrook were also responsible for some of the abuse endured by residents. Staff members were not required to submit a background check for employment, and it was later revealed that many staff members physically, sexually, and emotionally abused residents. Diane Buglioli, a former Willowbrook employee for 11 years, remembers her first day of work in 1969. She was given a heavy steel key that she still has to this day that was used to unlock door after door, heavy steel doors that continued down hallways. When Buglioli got to the last door, she was worried what she might find on the other side. She said, quote, I found behind it 40 toddlers, some smiling, some asking me my name. Others were silent, just looking at me. Some walked towards me. Some were lying in wooden carts. Some were just sitting on the floor. Some were drooling. Some were crying. It was surreal and just wrong, but they all share one undeniable truth. They're all little children. To this day, I still feel the twinge in my stomach thinking to myself, why were these kids locked behind this door? End quote. When they weren't left unattended behind locked doors, residents were often left wandering the halls and the grounds with nothing to do for hours at a time. Like I said, there was no learning being happened no. here. Like nobody was learning anything. There was, they were given no type of mental stimulation. They were given sometimes no clothes. Um, Staff washed children with the same rags and bucket used to wash the floors when they were washed. One bathroom was available for an entire ward. Like I said, it was designed for 100 people and there were 200 people there. Mm -hmm. Residents would be left out in the open, dirty and unclothed. Um, So finally, the Staten Island advance began uncovering the questionable practices of the Willowbrook State School around the mid 60s. And that's when uh, Robert F. Kennedy went to reporter right. Jane Curtin was one of the first to cover the abhorrent conditions of the school, though the stories did not gain attention, did not gain the attention that she had hoped for until January 6, 1972, inside a small Staten Island diner. A former physician from Willowbrook State School met secretly with new reporter Geraldo Rivera, who had just mm-hmm. been hired as a reporter for Eyewitness News two years before. After describing the horrible conditions he had been fired for trying to improve at the state-run institution, he handed Rivera Rivera a key to one of the buildings. Rivera brought a film crew unannounced to building number six, where they would capture the appalling abuses, filth, and overcrowding inflicted upon residents. 
In the original report, he describes the conditions as, quote, it smelled of filth, it smelled of disease, it smelled of death, end quote. The cameras show children naked, smeared in their own feces, and hitting their heads against the wall. Rivera still remembers the day vividly, saying, quote, it's almost 50 years, and speaking about it still makes me cry. The conditions were so horrible. I would imagine that the situation I had was similar to the GIs that freed the concentration camps, end quote. Two days later... Rivera reports the school invited him and his camera crew back for an official tour. On that visit, they found clean, fully clothed children being lovingly attended to by staff. But Rivera and his team were not fooled. So two days after that, they went back unannounced through a back door. And what they found were the same horrific conditions that they were first met with. Something Rivera details in the expose really shines a light on how it could have possibly gotten this bad. He speaks of a hiring freeze at institutions like Willowbrook in the Department of Mental Hygiene that caused an economic, economic retrenchment. As a result, Willowbrook lost about 600 employees in the following months. The Mental Hygiene Department had a budget of $630 million, which was, quote-unquote, trimmed down to about $600 million. Then further reduced to $580 million, which caused Willowbrook to lose another 200 employees. Rivera says, quote, a situation that two years ago was bad became hopeless, end quote. The patient to staff ratio, which should ideally be about four to one, became what I said at the beginning, 40 to one. Feeding times for individuals should be between 20 to 30 minutes each. They were reduced to about two to three minutes. Just shoving a spoon in somebody's mouth, going to the next person, just down a line. Right. Not only did Rivera's expose receive national attention, but it received local attention from residents and local politicians who were painfully aware of what was happening in their own backyard. Parents were also unaware of what was happening to their children, who they'd taken to Willowbrook, often with no other options for care that they could not provide, not knowing what they were receiving wasn't care but abuse. And they were outraged. On March 17, 1972, Dr. William Bronston came together with a group of parents and filed a class action lawsuit in federal court. The lawsuit alleged that conditions at Willowbrook violated the constitutional rights of the residents. Parents outlined multiple violations, including confining residents for indefinite periods, failing to release residents eligible for release, failing to conduct periodic evaluations of residents to assess progress and refine goals and programming, Failing to provide habitational, sorry, failing to provide habitation for residents, not providing adequate educational programs or services such as speech, occupational, or physical therapy, overcrowding, and a note on the overcrowding, residents at Willowbrook had less room than prison inmates. Inmates are allotted 80 square feet per person, while Willowbrook residents had about 35. Um, Lack of privacy. Failure to provide protection from theft or personal property, assault or injury. Inadequate clothing, meals, and facilities, including toilet facilities. Confining residents to beds or chairs or solitude. Lack of compensation for work performed. Inadequate medical facilities and understaffing and incompetence in professional staffing. In 1975, the Willowbrook Consent Decree was signed, committing New York State to improve community placement for the now designated Willowbrook class under the terms of the agreement. Willowbrook was given until 1981 to reduce its numbers of residents from 6,000 to no more than 250. The cornerstone of the consent decree was that the state quote would be required to spend $2 million to create 200 places for Willowbrook transferees in hostels, halfway houses, group homes, and sheltered workshops End quote. In 1983, the state of New York announced plans to close Willowbrook, which in 1974 had been renamed the Staten Island Developmental Center. By the end of March 1986, the number of residents housed there had dwindled to 250, and the last residents left the grounds on September 17, 1987. Since its closure, legislation has been passed both at the state and federal level to ensure that people with disabilities were never to be thrown altogether in Willowbrook-like institutions across the country. Things like the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 would not be possible today without the public outcry and advocacy brought by the conditions at Willowbrook, although we still have a long, long way to go to fully embrace and support our differently abled brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I told you this was a bad one. Yep. And this happened 
uh, right across the water from me in Staten Island. And in Geraldo Rivera's expose, he also touched on another facility, um, Letchworth, which is just north of me uh, in Hudson, in the Hudson Valley. And uh, that facility, I believe, is also closed because mm. of similar conditions. The um, entire thing I'm going to get to is it's called Willowbrook, the last great disgrace. And I, you can find... I think it's the whole thing, or if not parts of it on YouTube, I will say that it is filmed like it was from 1972. So it's very hard to see and hear a bunch of stuff properly, especially because I don't know if it is the cameras they used or if Willowbrook had zero lights because it is dark as hell. So it's very hard to see a lot of stuff. You don't want to. Uh, it's not great. Um, but I think without that work that he did, um, things wouldn't have moved because you have Robert F. Kennedy going in there saying it's a snake pit and it stays open for 20 years. I mean, to be fair, he got shot in a kitchen. So, because that yeah. was one of his main, he, one of the main things that he was running on in his candidacy for president was reform for facilities for people who are intellectually, developmentally, otherwise disabled. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about the Kennedy curse on yeah. a previous episode. And so his sister, um, Rosemary, that just, yes, just hit very close to home for all of the Kennedy kids. I mean, you had Eunice Kennedy Shriver. She founded the Special Olympics. You had Robert yeah. Kennedy wanting to create social reform. I mean, and it's it is good that it was shut down that both that Willowbrook but then the other facility that you also mentioned yeah. um that they were shut down it's just it, like where you did gotta, they go i mean that was that was part of the problem they had i've read a couple articles that um the the Willowbrook class that they referenced of like the people that were still there when um, the whole uh, lawsuit uh, came into into the picture. Um, they were moved into other facilities and sometimes uh, experienced some of the same at other facilities. This was yeah. like I'm, I, I it's... like I said I would like to think things got better especially with the Americans with Disabilities Act but Back then, there wasn't a lot of options. There wasn't a lot of education for parents of like what to what how to help your child in a situation. There's, it was like put him in a facility. That was kind of like that was it. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten better in the sense of I'd like to think that it's improved from just putting somebody in a in a facility putting a child in a facility. But I think that part of that also comes to, because you have adults now who, these waiting lists that you talked about in the beginning are still there. It's just for adults. Yeah. I mean, well, I, my... Like, the, at, at Willowbrook, it started as like a child's facility. It it expanded. Right. Like there was, there was a, there were adults there too. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. These, these things are still very much capable of happening. Um, they do happen, they have happened, but with schools even now, it is a fight for many parents to be able to get their children the appropriate care that they deserve, that yeah. they need and deserve. And that is in the public school system. That is in specialized schools for these children. Mm-hmm. I I mean I have one in my I, town uh, a specialized school for kids with uh like severe disabilities because our public school we have special education classes. I mean my god, every third person I went to high school with became a special ed teacher. Like I'm not that's not even a joke. Like there's yeah, so many but it's necessary. Every, yeah, every other person I know I, in my town just built another um facility a group home that has um like kind of like a house mother that uh, will watch over this is adults with disabilities but they can 
function on by themselves but they just need a little help they need a little extra help so that's why this house was built and there's like one person that kind of checks in on them uh they have shared facilities but also like their own living spaces and everything and it's been working out great as far as i can see that's good that's and giving them uh opportunities for employment at our local grocery store and stuff that they can walk to stuff to get them more involved in the community and everything so i mean if more places were able to do stuff like that obviously like the financial part of it is i think the most struggle and the, the staffing financial, the financial part of it the staffing part of it but i think also just the acceptance yeah that not just that these are human beings but some people can't even do the living in a group home on their own yeah walking to and from having a job mm -hmm. um i know many people who can't do that who yeah will need round the clock care and supervision and yeah. because there's already so many limitations in what we can provide for in what in what our leaders are willing to provide that onus a lot of that falls onto the parents i mean you 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 see and hear about these parents who are in their 60s and 70s and mm. 80s even who they are the primary caregivers for their children even if there was somewhere where they could send them yeah they it's it's then it becomes being able to get on that list which is so overfilled yeah and being able to or, or i should say being able to afford to pay somebody to care for them round the clock yeah or pay for a facility send them to a some sort of long-term care facility i mean it's that 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 nurse that spoke of the toddlers she walked into a room of 40 something toddlers yeah i i i it, just put them behind the door that's but at the risk of sounding bitter those 40 toddlers are going to become 40 adults and nobody wants to walk into that room yeah and that's the problem I, I feel like i mean this country is just like if you can't provide we're gonna throw you in a facility on several acres and uh forget about you i mean that's uh, that's what happens with our elderly community as well it's like yes do, do you know yes. how hard it was to find elderly care for my grandmother in like the last couple months like oh i get that yeah it's like nobody wants to deal with it. And if you do find somebody who deals with it, you better hope that they're a compassionate, kind person because there was a lot of people that weren't. So many facilities yeah. that we dealt with were like, just throw you in a room, pretend you're not there. Uh, if you uh, call the, the nurse call button too many times, let's just throw that remote under the bed so they can't call you anymore, can't find it anymore. And that, that actually happened to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I believe it. And, and it, some people aren't like... Just like somebody who has developmental uh, disabilities or mental disabilities, an elderly person, sometimes their mind's all not there anymore and they can't right. adequately describe the exactly. abuses that they're dealing with. Somebody grabs exactly. them too hard. Somebody moved them too hard. Like, or worse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Worse. There's, there, was a, <laughs> there was a lot of information on Willowbrook. I just don't... Like I, everything I said is horribly upsetting. There's more. Yeah. There's so much more. And it's why so many people are in fear of what's going to happen to their loved ones. Yeah. When they, when both they as a caregiver get older and as that person for whom they're providing the care gets older, their yeah. child, their, their sibling. It, it's. Like for, the reason, the reason I'm doing this episode is not to be a complete buzzkill to be completely upsetting obviously we're a true crime podcast it's not going to be all the right. funs and the laughs and everything this right. is just an important thing for people to know about like this yes. has happened it's still happening what are we doing about it the only reason why anything was done about willowbrook is that one person went in made this expose and people got outraged and something was done about it so maybe if more people are talking about 
Willowbrook and stuff like it, then there's more outrage and there's more things that can be done. Right. Well, nothing happens in the silence. You gotta, you gotta raise your voice. You gotta yell and scream to make stuff like this happen. And same side of it is you've got to be willing to listen because you, you can't just, like I said before, when people that Willowbrook made it for as long as it did because they were behind those walls, people don't have to I see it and therefore they don't have to be bothered by it. Something You need to just, be able to pay attention. Something about it, though, it was not, Willowbrook was not open under nefarious reasons. They were not saying like, oh, we're going to no. get all this government money and just throw these people in there. Right. They wanted to help. And I'm sure in the very beginning... They were helping when they had more staffing, when they had more funding. But once you lose funding, you lose staff. And once you lose staff, you lose quality of care and everything goes downhill. So it's like facilities like Willowbrook want to do well. And the people that are hired there want to do good because they went to school for this or they went into it with the intention of helping people right so the people there want to do good i'm sure obviously uh i said willowbrook did not require a background check which is absolutely insane um but i'm sure now uh hopefully that is not the case most jobs you need people that slipped through the cracks yeah lots of people slip through the cracks but there's a there's background checks for most kinds of jobs now yes so true Hopefully, uh, things like that aren't happening as much, but still we need, we need to get like the people in to work at these places that are caring and want to do this work. (sighs) I don't know. I'm spinning myself into a circle. No, Um, I feel you, baby. Let's talk. If you want to know more about, uh, Willowbrook and places like it, um, I will first direct you to, like I said, Willowbrook, The Last Great Disgrace, 1972. It's got an 87% on Google and a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It is the shocking expose of the deplorable conditions and abuses at Willowbrook State School for children with intellectual disabilities. This was the Geraldo Rivera uh, thing. Like I said, you can find it on YouTube. That's where I watched it. I did have to watch it with YouTube subtitles because it was hard to hear. And you do have to watch it with Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, he's got quite a stash. Time. He's fucking yeah. something else. He's good, though. Like, this was his first big thing. This was thing. a good one. This was a good yeah. one. Yeah. This he... was his first big thing. He was very passionate about it. Um, we also have Unforgotten 25 Years After Willowbrook from 1996. It has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, it was a nightmare that shocked not only New York, but all of America. The public outcry of the Willowbrook State School for People with Del- Developmental Disabilities resulted from Geraldo Rivera's expose on WABC after he entered Willowbrook with a film crew in 1972 using a stolen key. This is like the follow-up 25 years after um, catching up with people that went to Willowbrook, family members, people that worked there, all that. You can watch it for free on Pluto, Tubi, Sling, Redbox, or Amazon Prime. We also have uh, Willowbrook from 2012. It's a 16-minute short. It won the Best Short Film Award at the 2012 Boston Film Festival. It has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and the description is, In 1964, a young pediatrician begins his residency at Willowbrook State School in Staten Island, only to discover the institution is conducting Army-funded experiments on developmentally disabled children. Um, so that one's rough. And... Uh, shamefully, the uh, way that I heard about Willowbrook is this documentary called Cropsy from 2009. It has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, 61% audience score, 69% Google score, and 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. The critics' consensus is, quote, riveting and bone-chillingly creepy. Cropsy manages to be one of the best documentaries and one of the best horror movies of the year. The description is uh, realizing that the urban legend of their youth has actually come true. Two filmmakers delve into the mystery surrounding five missing children and the real life boogeyman linked to their disappearances. This is about um, somebody who used to work at Willowbrook mm-hmm. and um, abducted children and lived on the broken down facilities of Willowbrook afterwards. So they, they talk a lot about Willowbrook in it, and then they also talk about this um, urban legend, Cropsy. It's the same people that did the um, 
killer legends documentary that I will sometimes just throw on in the background. Yep. Um, it was awarded to do. <laughs> it is awarded a hammer to nails grand jury prize for best documentary at the 2009 Tribeca film festival. And you can watch it on YouTube with ads for free Tubi, Plex, Pluto, the Roku channel and Amazon prime. And we got a couple books before we head out. Um, the first is a fiction book, The Lost Girls of Willowbrook by Ellen Marie Wiseman. It has a 3.92 out of 5 on Goodreads. Description is, quote, fact, fiction, and urban legend blend in this haunting story about a young woman mistakenly imprisoned at Willowbrook State School, the real-life institution later shuttered for its horrendous abuses. Um, we have The Willowbrook Wars, Bringing the Mentally Disabled into the community by david and sheila rothman is a 4.38 out of 5 on goodreads description is quote a dramatic and illuminating account of the effort to close down a scandal-ridden institution and return its 5,400 handicapped residents to communities in new york we have american snake pit home grit and resilience in the wake of willowbrook by tom dan tom solo uh, 4.7 out of 5 on Goodreads. Description is, quote, flat broke and almost finished with grad school. Dan Tomsalo, now a core facility member at Columbia University's spiritually, spiritu spirituality mind body institution, was hired to relocate Willowbrook's most severely disabled inhabitants into a groundbreaking community-based group home. And then we have History and Sociology of the Willowbrook State School by David Good, Daryl B. Hill, Gene Rice, and William Bronston. William Bronston was the uh, the doctor the that doctor. helped. Yeah. Right. Uh, it has a 3.75 out of 5 on Goodreads. Description is, quote, A history and sociology of the Willowbrook State School explores a general history of disabilities and institutions and increasingly concentrates on the medicalization of disability, which was the impetus for the creation of large-scale institutions. This informative text describes in great detail what life was like for people who lived and worked at Willowbrook and how and why the institution evolved as it did. The focus is primarily on the period before Geraldo Rivera's sensational television expose in 1972. So this is a much more informational one, uh, very mm -hmm. detail heavy. Mm -hmm. um, we have two more by actual Willowbrook residents. We have Fred and Me, a Willowbrook survival story by Alan B. Goldstein, a 4.5 out of 5 on Goodreads. Description is, quote, after their parents pass away, Alan promises his mother that he would continue to care for his brother Fred. Fred had been institutionalized at Willowbrook in 1957 and endured years of abuse. The book is a love story of brothers reunited, end quote. Wow. Um, then we have... I Survived Willowbrook, A Story of Fate and Triumph, The Remaining Voices of Willowbrook's Only Triplets by Joseph Joyce and Carl Dorsey. As a 3.5 out of 5 on Goodreads. Description is, quote, The Dorsey triplets were placed in a state-run facility that was supposed to provide a safe and nurturing environment. However, you will see from the account of their lives that Willowbrook is not the case. Dr. Joyce Dorsey, sister of the triplets, writes the story as told by her brother Joseph of a life fulfilled filled with many challenges yet from joseph's perspective every situation was an introduction to a new adventure in his life because of his acceptance of god's presence throughout his life joseph was able to see things as they were and eventually understand the plan god had for his life was very different from his brothers end quote mm -hmm. and the final thing i have is anthony's prayers by anthony tyrone who is a former willowbrook resident it is a book of um kind of like prayer poems uh type things i couldn't find too much information on it it wasn't on goodreads anywhere couldn't find it uh on amazon so that's the only information i have but something sounds yeah it's something um sorry my cat is attacking me now hi bean hi bean all right uh yeah i'm sorry for the bummer but i did think it was an important thing that needed to Absolutely. be talked about um i will post any of the resources if anybody is interested uh still highly encourage you to watch the expose on youtube because it is 
very eye-opening um, stuff that that went on in <laughs> recent memory. Like right. people, people listening to this were alive when this was happening and when this yeah. was open. Difficult to watch, but important to see. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like we said at the top. Message us on any of those for the link to our Discord. Um, we have a website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Email is crimeculturepod at gmail.com. And I will say my palate cleanser is um, something I did this past weekend. My husband surprised me <laughs> by taking me to Jonathan. This is a big departure from the episode we just talked about, guys. Uh, I went. But, to I see, mean, they also have a podcast. They also have a podcast. I went to go see Jonathan Van Ness Fun and Slutty Tour, I believe. Yeah. And I had to tell Elliot that that was going to come up on his bank statement <laughs> that he bought tickets for that. <laughs> um, Can we get that bank statement framed? It was absolutely fabulous. We were like fifth row. It was great. Oh, my God god jonathan van ness liked my instagram story that killed me that killed me yeah that's a fantastic oh um it was just it was really fun it was like and slutty it was fun and slutty (laughs) i wanted to (sighs) there was like a little crop top that said hot slut on it and i wanted elliot to get it (gasps) why oh please all right everybody flood the discord and encourage elliot that he should because he is a hot slut well because he he plays in a uh, pop punk cover band, and mm-hmm. we're trying to get like increasingly unhidden shirts for him to play. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we have like a couple like really really good weird ones. So I was like, oh, a little crop top that says "hot slut" would be perfect. <laughs> he said no. No, but it's anyway, not a no. It's a not yet. That's how yet. I like to hear it. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to go see Jonathan Van Ness Fun and Slutty Tour highly recommend it is just i my cheeks hurt from smiling it was so oh, good they're such a light they're such a delight and uh they obviously they also have a podcast getting curious mm-hmm. uh which has then become a netflix show i think <gasps> yeah. oh i'm into that yeah so and oh. i think they mentioned when we were there hold on an episode that might intrigue our listeners yeah getting curious with jonathan jonathan van ness the latest episode as of right now is how do i survive a home invasion hell yeah so that that could be interesting to our listeners right i'm into that i I, i'd be interested in it i haven't i'm i'm not caught up i will be frank i'm a few episodes behind but yeah i mean yeah some episodes are um why am i so obsessed with video games Mm -hmm. how can i take hotter photos Mm mm-hmm uh, what's it take to be a cool mom? They, it's oh, like they cover everything and nothing. Like they'll go from like, how can I be a cool mom to like being an astrophysicist or something like that's what I really enjoy yes. about. The... How wrong was the su- Supreme Court on abortion? Exactly. Exactly. Like we go from like fluff to what's the state of HIV research? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I really love How that. do deep sea fish get it on? Literally the next episode after the HIV one. So We need more of I those. Mean, yeah. So it's just really fun. Just they approach things in such a, a a smart but like approachable way. Yes. Um just so much fun. So hopefully that is enough of a palate cleanser for this bummer of an episode. Um it's really good. I also read their book uh over the top. Actually, I listened to the audiobook, which they narrate, which is obviously the best. If an author narrates their own audiobook, I'm listening to it. Yes, absolutely. Unless you're not the family, the head of the family for Spotify premium family membership, like I am, because apparently only the head of the family is allowed to listen to audiobooks. Oof. Which I learned when um, I tried to listen to, not narrated by the author, but just as good, uh, Britney Spears' memoir narrated by Michelle Williams. Yeah incredible and i was like Fuck. um i will say uh another a bonus palette cleanser if you are over your time on spotify audiobooks like it's it's killing me like i literally have to like schedule it to make sure that i can finish an audiobook <laughs> at time um you can get the libby app and get it from your library or there's another app called hoopla because sometimes libby will take forever to mm. like like you have to wait like 
28 weeks to get some books sometimes yeah so hoopla is um a little lesser known one but it still works with your library card Blowing and you can get spot. a bunch of audiobooks and stuff like that so you can get four a month from there Ooh. which i think is a better deal than spotify 15 hours i agree because you can finish you can finish a whole fucking book <coughs> yeah easily yeah oh, that's so great h-o-o-p-l-a uh, it's on the app store so go check it out I have a bunch saved that I have to get to because I read 16 books in January. <gasps> so I'm trying to read a similar Ooh, amount in February. I love that for you. I'm currently reading four books at the same time. That's see, I can't do that. That's yeah. the one thing like I need to be locked in to one right now for since it's not my palate cleanser, but I, I know everybody's so curious. Um, no, I'm reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor. <gasps> I Jenkins heard that's Reed really good. Right now. Yeah, my book club's doing it. So I'm very, I'm very excited. I haven't started. I joined a book club. I haven't started the book club book yet. Ooh. But right now I'm reading a straight up horror book, a YA horror thriller, Ooh. a book from my childhood, and then just a comedy book of like essays. I can't. So like, that's what, that's how I'm like going through them. Oh, see like that. And that's good in the sense of you need like the palate cleanser, like each of those complements yeah. each other so well, but oh my God, no, I need to be like locked and loaded or else I, they start to blend. And then I'm, yeah. I'm thinking the killer from the child's uh, horror movie, horror book shows up in where the sidewalk ends by shell silverstein and all of a sudden i'm yeah. just yeah i'm reading three and listening to one so i think that's also a good blend oh i heard <laughs> yeah. i think everyone just heard your neck crack are you dead you could see my face yeah i did <laughs> we've gone horrified. off the rails Ugh. horrified oh god yeah okay. get a hook somebody get one of those little shepherds hook and Hopefully just <laughs> Hopefully your palate is cleansed <laughs> from that bummer of an episode. Um, and that your ears aren't melting. Have, we have been Crime Culture, and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.